Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> we are going to New York City. Not quite, is it? Not no, there. you sound way more like Catherine Hepburn. Oh, well... From the moment she glimpses her idol at the stage door, Eve Harrington is determined to take the ruins of power away from the great actress Margot Channing. No, I don't have it. Margot Channing is, of course, Betty Davis, and we are doing All, all about, about Eve. The particulars? The particulars, please. I do like your your Betty Davis voice. It's it's just I don't know. I feel like it's uh Catherine Hepburn doing Betty Davis. I'll take it. The particulars. All about Eve was released October thirteenth, nineteen fifty, by twentieth century Fox. Rest in peace. Produced by Daryl F. Zanuck. He did The Longest Day. Sounds familiar because we just did Pinky. How Green Was My Valley, The Jazz Singer, The Grapes of Wrath, The Public Enemy, Gentleman's Agreement, Nerd Alert. You'll probably remember this from any of the other things that we did. I remember talking about it because he was a World War II colonel in the Army Signal Corps and he was stationed in New York City and he was mad that he was stationed with Universal Studios' spoiled son's son, Universal Studios' founder's spoiled son, Carl Lemley Jr. And this guy, Carl Lemley, he was chauffeured around to reporting like during the war, and Daryl F. Zanuck wanted no part of this, so he went down to Washington, barged into General Marshall's office, and demanded a more risky... Um, position assignment yeah because he wasn't at this point daryl of zanuck like he was i think he was the head of fox studios like when the war broke out and stuff he Mm. i could be wrong in that but needless to say he was a big timer you know so he could have gotten a cushy gig and he didn't he wanted to be in the shit so they sent him over to he was in europe and he refused to take shelter during the blitzes. He would have blitz parties because he had a fantastic view of just the carnage going on in London. He wow. persuaded Lord Mount Mountbatten, mm-hmm. Prince Philip's uncle, to take him on secret coastal raids to France and stuff. Wow. He, he was like, I want to be in it. I don't want to be like this spoiled kid. So F stands for fuck you, Daryl fuck you Zanuck. <laughs> I think so. I think it's Daryl fuck you Zanuck. I think it's I think it's actually the F stands for fuck you Carl Lemley Jr. <laughs> Zanuck. Here we go. The screenplay it was written for the screen and directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Nerd alert. He won consecutive Oscars for Best Director and Best Writing Screenplay for 1949's A Letter to Three Wives and then in 1950 for this film, All About Eve. Hmm. So he did a back-to-back. That's not easy to do. No one's ever done it before. It's like um, the guy who won Bong Joo-ho 
next year his movie comes out and they're like hey yeah best director best script i don't know if he won best script but you know what I, to illustrate the point got it got it of got it. what like that's an unheard of back-to-back -back. Huh. damn he wrote 48 screenplays produced 20 films one of the films that he produced was the philadelphia story hello which you just did Justice. I didn't Ooh. do her. No, I am much better. I'm Betty before I'm Catherine. And go ahead. He also uh, wrote Julius Caesar, The Barefoot Contessa, Guys and Dolls, Cleopatra, and Sleuth. It's based off the short story by Mary Orr, The Wisdom of Eve, which was published in the May 1946 issue of Cosmopolitan Magazine. In 1949, she wrote a radio adaptation that led to this film being sold. She sold the story to 20th Century Fox for $5,000, which in 2020 money is $54,195.59. Oh, okay. It seems a little low to me, but then if I had a short story and somebody wanted to give me fifty-five grand for it, I would take the money. Sold. Sold. Um, okay, so it's loosely based on an unnamed woman secretary to the Viennese actress Elizabeth Bergner. But there's an alternate theory that it's a rivalry between Tallulah Bankhead and Elizabeth Scott, who was Tallulah Bankhead's understudy during Thornton Wilder's The Skin of Our Teeth. And Broadway legend has it that Bankhead was victimized by Scott. And Scott was known for her smoky voice. Oh. The music is by Alfred Newman. How Green Was My Valley, Miracle on 34th Street, Anastasia, The Diary of Anne Frank, Camelot, blah, blah, blah. We've been through him before. The mm -hmm. DP, Milton R. Krasner. He won an Oscar in 1954 for Three Coins in the Fountain. Oh, I like that movie. He also did An Affair to Remember, Bus Stop, and The Seven-Year Itch, to name a few. Edited by Barbara Bobby McLean. She has 62 film credits. She won an Oscar for editing 1944's Wilson, a biopic about Woodrow Wilson. Snoozeville. <laughs> Like do you, do you, how much of the racism do you show in that? Um, between the 1930s and 1960s, she was 20th Century Fox's most prominent editor and head of the editing department. Dang. She edited a bunch of movies, like I mentioned, 62, including 12 O'Clock High, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Tobacco Road, Viva Zabata, and Niagara. Nerd Alert, she received the inaugural... That means first American <laughs> Cinema Editor's Career Achievement Award in 1988. And that was the first one yeah. in 1988. It was the first one, and it went to a woman. It went to her. So she is a, a pioneer filmmaking woman. The cast, starring as Margot Channing, won Ruth Elizabeth Davis. Also known Betty. as Betty Davis. She was 42 at the time of this filming. Mm -hmm. We've seen her in Jezebel, 
dangerous well we didn't see but we saw her in jezebel and these are her other movies dangerous of human bondage the little foxes now voyager whatever happened to baby jane we have ann baxter as eve harrington yeah nerd alert she's the granddaughter of architect frank lloyd wright really i did not know that mm -hmm. she was also in the magnificent ambersons she won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in The Razor's Edge. She was in Alfred Hitchcock's I Confess and also Nefertiti in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. Wow. Nerd alert. She was the little sister in the play, the pre-Broadway play, The Philadelphia Story. But Katherine Hepburn didn't like her acting style. So she was replaced. Ooh. And she, that's why she went out to Hollywood. Ouch. Um, sidebar, Nefertiti was a black woman. Ma, have you seen the Ten Commandments? Yes. I, th I think the only like person of color in that film is Yul Brenner. And I'm using air quotes on person of color. What is his ethnicity? Oh, man. Didn't we? We did him before. Okay. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I'll move on. Um, But, yeah. Uh, Cleopatra, Liz Taylor. Yeah. This is Hollywood, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> we just did true. Black History Month. And she wanted to... Well, I'm sure we're going to do the Ten Commandments at some point. But she wanted to do... um. She wanted to wear a prosthetic on her nose. And Cecil B. DeMille was like, no, your Irish nose stays in this picture. And wow. she's like, okay. So she even kind of knew. Yeah. But okay. yeah. Eve Harrington is Nefertiti's. Thank you, America. <laughs> I do remember her voice in the Ten Commandments, though. Yeah, she's got a voice. She's got a voice. Um, George Sanders, he was 44 at the time of this film. Oh, yeah, Ann Baxter was 27. I just think it's very interesting. I'll get into it later. That's why I give some of the, the years of okay. how old people are. Okay. George Sanders was 44. He played Addison DeWitt. He was also in Rebecca, foreign correspondent. He was the voice of Shere Khan in the 1967 The Jungle Book. He was also in The Lodger. And the picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. Celeste Holm. She was yeah, Karen she was Richards. Good in this. She was the original role. She originated the role of, how do you say it? Adu Annie in Oklahoma. Oh. ADO Annie. I don't know. Okay. I thought you knew Oklahoma. I thought I did too, but I don't know that one. All right. She was in I only know how to sing this song, shall I? <laughs> no. She was in the song, in the, in the song, in the show, gent, in the movie. Ha, ah, gentleman's agreement. <laughs> See, this is proof that we don't edit this, that this is all one take live. She did not want me to sing Oklahoma again. <laughs> no. High Society, Three Men and a Baby. She was in a ton of television, like mm -hmm. Loving, Falcon Crest, and Touched by an Angel. We have yeah. Gary Morell. He was Bob Simpson. He was Bat the voice of Batman in the Superman radio series. 
He was in 12 o'clock high, winged victory, witness to murder. This guy was also in a ton of TV. And mm-hmm. nerd alert, he marched in Selma in 1965. All right, Gary. Mm-hmm. We have Hugh Marlowe, who is Lloyd Richards. He was in Meet Me in St. Louis. I don't remember. He did meet me in St. Louis. I know. But he was younger, maybe. And okay. he just has one of those unremarkable white guy faces. Yeah. So I'm like, I believe that because he made no impact on me here whatsoever. Like, picture him. Can you even picture his his face right now? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he was in a so uh, he was in All My Children, I think. Oh. But as an old man. Well, he was also in 12 O'Clock High, the day... I know him from the day the Earth stood still. He's also in The Burn Man of Alcatraz and Seven Days in May, to name a few. This guy was in okay. a ton of stuff. He might not have been in All My Children. Well, he might have. I don't know. Thelma Ritter, Birdie, remember? I love, I love me some Thelma Ritter. Her first role was Miracle on 34th Street as the mom, and we, we loved her. And then we're like, this was her first film. And she was in A Letter to Three Wives and Rear Window, Misfits, and Birdman of Alcatraz. And we have Marilyn Monroe, who was 24. She's Miss Caswell. She was uh, Asphalt Jungle, Niagara, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, How to Marry a Millionaire, The Seven Year Itch, Bus Stop, Some Like It Hot, and The Misfits. There are the particulars. Particulars. Well, we, um, as we said, are going to New York City. And it starts out with what I thought was a funeral because of the close-up of the flowers. But then you see an award, and it is the Sarah Siddons Award for Distinguished Achievement in Theater. And the name on the plaque is Eve Harrington. And it's an award dinner for handing out those awards. The only one we see is Eve Harrington's. Um, The minor awards had already been presented, one of which was to the playwright Lloyd Richards. And... um, they oh so there's a dude up there talking. He's the he's the oldest member of the Sarah Siddons um, um, group. Yes, this, the the theater. And he says there is no brighter light that dazzled the eye than Eve Harrington. Well, Addison Dewitt is also there. He he's doing a voiceover. He is a theater critic. And he's discussing the people in the room. And um, so he discusses several. And then he comes to Margot Channing. She uh, was in her first stage play at age four, where she was a fairy in Midsummer Night's Dream. And she came out naked. Naked. And she's been a star ever since. Um. And they say she was a great star. She never was or will be anything more or less. Now, this is Broadway. This whole stuff is about Broadway actors. And they, they dish out a bunch of uh, shade to, ho- to picture people. Oh, yeah. Hollywood is a cesspool. Um, okay. 39 times this award has been given. And Eve Harrington is the youngest recipient. 
So, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, there are lots of accolades. And then when she finishes her speech, all the men in the audience stand up and all the wait staff who are all male are applauding. But you see that Celeste Holm and Betty Davis are not applauding. Yes. Eve Harrington. And this is a, it's at, it's at one of those New York places, those clubs that I'm probably still not allowed to go into. Um, right. Very, they have like the old paintings on the wall. Uh, everyone is extremely white. Even the wait staff. I didn't know that that was the wait staff. I thought that it was some sort of weird uh, ritual or something. With the white towels over there. Yeah, I arms. didn't know what was going on. Okay, okay. Um, and she bows so gracefully. And um, let's see. Celeste Holm then does a voiceover. She is Karen... Richards. Richards, the wife of the playwright, Lloyd Richards. And she's and best friends of Betty Davis, Margot Channing. Margot Channing. That was Kate Henry. <laughs> okay. Um, and she talks about having something that happened just one year ago. And so she's talking about looking for a girl at the stage door Um after the performance, night after night, and it's not me outside of the Hamilton stage door. <laughs> it is actually Eve Harrington. And she has um, seen the play every single performance. And Celeste Holm is going, well, how can you afford that? And she said, well, standing room isn't very expensive. So um, then uh, Celeste Holm is so taken with her that she says, I want you to come and meet Margot because uh, Eve Harrington has said how Margot is her absolute idol. And she just, she stands at the stage door every day, every evening, just to get a glimpse. And I went, Tini and I went out the stage door of Hamilton <laughs> and there were, I was so surprised by the mass of people out there <laughs> and, and the door open, we, the door opens before they see us. We are, yay. And then they see us and it, oh. <laughs> so I, I think that's really funny. Yeah. She was the only one out there and it sets up that we hear from Celeste voiceover that she has seen Eve out there. So it isn't just that she just encounters this fan this one time and is diehard. Her devotion to her fandom of Margot has been witnessed. Yes. She's seen her time and time again. So she says, come with me. I'm going to introduce you. So before you even get to Margot's dressing room, which if it were at the Richard Rogers theater, Crystal's dressing room was like on the 17th floor. It wasn't on the oh. same floor as the stage. So we didn't go to her dressing room. Um, we were invited if we wanted to climb the steps. Wow. And you were mm -hmm. like, the 17th? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say 17th? Okay. And so um, 
she goes and she's able to, she goes in the stage door and she's able to stand on the stage. And I just have to say, that's pretty amazing when you're able to stand on the stage. So um, I, she looks, I wouldn't know. It seems nice. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. You were in California. I've but, stood on the Dolby stage where they have the Oscars. Well, there you go. So I haven't. <laughs> okay. Well, Celeste go. Uh, oh, and so Margot says you can breathe it like some magical perfume. Yeah, Eve Harrington has this. Uh, she. It's an interesting voice. It's very smoky. That's why mm. I was like, oh wait, that lady had a smoky voice too. I wonder if they added that, or it might just be her voice. And the way that she, um, just how she is and stuff. I wondered if this, I saw this movie, oh, geez, almost 20 years ago at this point, because I saw it in school. And, but even then, I've always known kind of about what this movie is, because it mm -hmm. always appears in popular culture and references and jokes and stuff. So I always knew, I've never had the, I never had the opportunity to watch All About Eve and know that Eve wasn't conniving. Right. I've only seen right. it as Eve as conniving. And so I'm, and plus, you know, my dateline true crime brain and stuff. I'm just, the sirens and red flags are going exactly. off. I'm like, listen to how this woman talks and she's got crazy eyes, but they're not like, crazy eyes they're more of like the the more scary in control intense, crazy eyes yes. yeah like super intense and just how she's just so oh I, it just seemed like such an act being put on yeah such a performance mm -hmm. i agree but again i knew that it was gonna be so and that we're also not to cast aspersions talking about theater people But, well, overly dramatic. Exactly. That's what I mean. Overly dramatic. Because I have heard that when someone goes from the theater to movies, they have to tamp Dial it down. It down. Yeah, because you're playing for the, the people in the back row. That's right. Remember we talked about that yes. last week with the how hard it was going from sound from silent film to sound right exactly because you had to yeah. be overly dramatic and you had to express all of this stuff yeah so maybe that's why they didn't pick up on it because they were used to because there was a playwright in the room there was a playwright's wife in the room there was uh well the play the, oh we can like break it down so the playwright's wife Celeste Holmes, who I forget what her name is. Karen. Karen. She is the playwright. She's the playwright. Like, she doesn't have another job. And she's the playwright's wife. And she's the best friend of Margot. Right. So she is sort of the regular person. Mm -hmm. But she's the regular person with the heart of gold. As mm -hmm. you could see, because she was always looking for her. And... She wasn't so naive that she brought this woman in the first time she saw her. It took some time. Right, right. And then, and then she brings her in. So she's not completely naive, but she's also different. She's not a theater person. She's more of like a civilian. And then you have the playwright. So he's into drama. 
mm-hmm. he's he's at the time he's the biggest playwright so he's gotta have some ego yeah you know very like he's a he's a writer so he's he's more self-involved than a normal person like a civilian we'll say right then you have Margot Channing, yeah. who's the biggest star. So she is, she's the diva. She's what, yeah. you know. She's every, over the top all the time. Everything's dramatic. Everything's melodramatic. And she's worn her friends out with her dramatic antics. Yes, yes. You know, but she's she's that kind of actress. Not saying that all actresses are like that, but, but everybody, like, knows the type. And... Then you have, well, we, ha- we haven't seen him yet, but you'll see the director. He's a theater director. So he's going to be, like, self-involved, too. I mean, the artist type. It doesn't matter right. what the discipline right. is. It's, the, you know, oh, right. they're very much in into themselves. And why do people do that kind of thing? They do for different reasons, but a big part of it is they, they need the adoration, the applause, the adoring. And right. so you're bringing, so the civilians bringing in this person who just adores Eve. I mean, Margot. Right. Margot, and so Margot is is only too thrilled about. Well, first of all, yeah. um, Karen Celeste goes in and says, "I have somebody." Wait, not yet. Um, so Celeste is in the dressing room for a while, and Margot is talking to Lloyd. Uh, why don't you write me a character with some guts? That was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. was good. Um, and Celeste starts standing up for her husband, you know, because no, you can't treat him that way. And then she says something about fans. And Betty Davis says, ah, fans, they're little beasts running around in packs like coyotes. Um, and so she says, well, I happen to have one who's a really big fan of yours right it's outside. And, on the old. Uh... And she. So uh, Margot says to Birdie, our aforementioned, what's oh. her name, Ritter? Birdie Stelma Ritter. Ritter. So Birdie was in vaudeville, but now she is Celeste's maid. So Birdie is the blue collar, like she's the one that knows, uh, she's wise to everything. She's and got- so I was looking to her for how she was re- going to react to Eve. Mm-hmm. But Eve isn't in there yet. So uh, Margot says to Bertie, give her the heave ho. And Celeste begs her, please, please. This woman has been standing out the- by the stage door every single performance. Please just say hello to her. So um, she goes, oh, you mean that woman, the mousy one with the trench coat and the funny hat? And so there's nothing to be threatened by with that. I mean, she looks very much like me at Hamilton. And well, no, you the- look you looked better than her at Hamilton. She looked like she was auditioning for the role of perv number one. <laughs> she did. You know, her, her trench coat was dirty. Her trench coat was dirty, <laughs> and she was wearing this weird bucket Fisher hat. So it, it just seemed like she, if she was a man, she was gonna just expose herself. Like, if yes. I see a man wearing that, I am automatically going in the opposite direction. That's my girl. And putting hand sanitizer on as she goes. Yes. Um, and so she comes in and they introduce her to Lloyd. And um, Betty Davis puts on a show. 
you know, she's just being the diva. I want you to meet my great friend and companion, Bertie. And Bertie goes, who are you? I'll come <laughs> back when Margot comes back. And so. Um, yeah, she's her maid. Because then I was like, wait, are they an item? This is a Hayes Code, code film. They can't uh, be like companions. Oh, well, not that kind of a companion. She is almost an assistant. Well, she's her maid. She's her mate. Okay. So Eve is saying that she likes anything that Miss Channing is in. And uh, she knows that Lloyd's new uh, play is going to be called Footsteps on the Ceiling. And um, so they say, well, we don't want to keep you. And she says, I have nowhere else to go. And this At is, which point. You're doing a really when, good Eve Harrington. What? You're doing a really good Eve Harrington. Wow. Because she you. is very breathless and deep voiced. And this is how she sounds. It's, it's, a, it's a choice. Yes. And so um, then they say, well, Eve, tell us how all of this started. And so she says that uh, remembrance, the, the play Remembrance was where it started. And she saw every performance of it. And when Remembrance went east, Eve went east. You see, she was born in Wisconsin. <laughs> and there was exactly. just her mom. I would be like, all right, excellent monologue, yeah, Eve. Exactly. But it goes on. And they're hanging on every word. Yeah, which I'm like, Yeah, okay. I mean, come on. But maybe you would if you out of like... Oh, I thought that this woman in this trench coat was going to expose herself, but well, it turns out she's just going to deliver a monologue she's prepared. Yeah. All right, go ahead. And it tells, uh, I wrote it all down, but I'm just going to skip to, uh, she worked at, in a brewery, but there was a theater group and um, the theater group was like a drop of rain in the desert. Literally what she says in in her yeah. monologue. I, I stopped it and wrote several of the quotes because this film is nothing but it's great. It's nothing but quotes. And nerd alert, all the great quotes are given by the women. Uh, there there is there's a DeWitt one that I like. Yeah, there's an Addison, but most but of all the best lines them, yeah. are yeah. delivered it's, by women. It's exactly right. So then she talks about uh, the war came before the war came. She met Eddie and they got married and it was a whirlwind. I was going to say divorce. It was a <laughs> whirlwind love story. And then he got sent to the war and then he was going to get leave in San Francisco. And so she goes to San Francisco and that's where she gets the telegram that says he's dead. And they are, there are tears in their eyes. I mean, they are so absorbed in her story. And so she said that is where she saw remembrance with Margot Channing. And that is where her, you know, fixation, stalker mode started. <laughs> I've and, got, now I've got something to live for again. Um, uh, a man comes in, and this is Bill. Bill uh, Simpson? Simpson. Samson. Samson. Who, it, well, they say Samson, Simpson, but it's actually Samson. Oh. That, that was a mistake. Ooh. And um, Bill is saying Zanuck needs him. And 
so they introduce her to Eve. Well, he's, you know, he's there to say goodbye to Margot because he's got to go out to Hollywood. And he doesn't even give Eve a second look. When he comes in, because um, Karen tries to introduce Bill. But Bill just comes right in, goes straight to Betty Davis, to Margot. And right. Karen says, oh, Bill, here, you know, this, what, Karen's nothing but Midwestern politeness. Is Hey, here's this, you know, oh, yes. this is Eve. And he just doesn't give her a second look. He's all about... Marco. And one thing, if you look at the film, it's to see Celeste Holmes' eyes, which are always open, completely open and bright, bright, bright. Yeah, not creepy. Eve's are um, sleepy. Uh, oh, sleepy. no, not Eve's. Eve's are intense. Eve's are intense, but not like open. Yeah, because innocent, open. They're uh, like slitty intense. Because Betty Davis has Betty Davis eyes. I mean, come on. Well, her eyes are just the best. You should just put it on mute and just watch her, what she does with her eyes. Like there exactly. was one scene later. I forget where I was. I'm. It was with one of the male characters. It was either Bill or Lloyd. And Betty Davis is in front of the camera and the other guy's going around. And it's just Betty Davis listening and mm -hmm. just the thing, like the flashes she would do with her eyes and then cutting them and stuff. I was just watching her eyes and the eye work. I'm like, damn, Betty Davis, yeah. just putting on yeah. a clinic here. Yeah. And so Eve stands to leave. You know, obviously I'm in the way here, so I'll be going. Yeah, because Bill's going out to Hollywood because he's going to direct a picture. And everybody looks down on that. But I think I think Bill's kind of okay with it because it's going to be a great paycheck, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to be on, out in California. I'm just going to do the picture. It's not like I'm never going to come back or anything. Yeah. And we haven't heard him really run down theater people yet. Yeah, he's not. He, he's No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, but and it's also established that he only he didn't do a second glance at Eve, like I said before. Right. He just has eyes on Margot. Oh, eyes on Betty Davis eyes. And um so Margot says, No, no, I, I wanna talk with you. Um, I just, you know, I gotta take Bill to the airport and then we'll go somewhere and talk. And so Eve says to Celeste, I'll never forget you for making this possible. And um, Eve, uh, actually, Celeste, in her voiceover, has kind of alluded to the fact that what's happening isn't all wonderful. Well, we know that from the get-go, because Addison DeWitt's awesome setting it up as the film critic. Right, right. Who, when right. you think of a theater, I'm sorry, a theater critic, when you think of a critic, you're thinking of this guy, even if you haven't seen the movie before. He's right. the, right. you know, the, the snarky theater critic guy. Theater critic, not film critic. Well. There's a difference. Yeah. I mean, there, I think at that point think, there may have been. No. Oh, at that point, totally. Because mm -hmm. he was the, he, because I thought he had a great line in the very, very beginning when he's setting it up, when he's talking about, well, if you're not of this world, like if you don't listen to non-sponsored radio programs, 
And that mm-hmm. made, that did make me laugh out loud. So he's that kind of guy. And yeah. we failed to mention that he is smoking a cigarette from a cigarette holder. Which oh. automatically takes him up a level. Yeah. Because he just needs the monocle and top hat from Monopoly. Yes. But he would never do such a thing because that would be a faux pas fashion wise. So Bill calls Eve Jr. And, you know, like, it's obvious he's he's not at all smitten with her. I mean, she, listen, Junior, and learn. The theater's a flea circus. And he goes on a rant yeah. about how nasty the, the theater is. Everything is theater. Um, and so don't approve. Oh, because she was saying you can't go to California. You can't stay in California. It's not the theater. And he says, don't approve or disapprove. Everything is theater. Yeah. And he's not wrong. It's just like, I'm direct this, I'm going to direct that. Like, it's it's all the same to me. Now, something happened that never got resolved. And I think Eve took the other earring. Because mm. Betty Davis is looking for, she has one earring on and she goes, well, I hope uh, uh, tomorrow this is going to be the new fashion. I'm going to wear one earring and not have one in the other ear because it's just missing. And I think Eve took it, but we never find that That's out. That's right. We never find that out. Okay. They're at the airport. And I don't understand. Okay. Well, I, I like that. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why Eve would go into the airport with them. Why didn't she just wait in the car? Or if it was indeed a taxi, wait at, at the entrance exit where Margo would come back out she didn't have to go all the way to the gate with them she does say let me take care of your luggage and checking you in i think that's margo this was before 2001 but she does manage to interrupt a kiss between them yeah but i think that the that that margo to me margo was is the type that was like oh like you're uh, Marco is probably at this point she doesn't know who Eve is so Eve's the new shiny thing and she right. wants the new shiny thing right. to be with her so she's yeah, just like because oh come on you're coming come on you know Bill's going away mm-hmm. Bill idolizes Marco so she's going to need someone to idolize her while Bill's gone exactly so it says um and then Bill says to, she does go away and take care of the luggage and checks him in. Hello. And, um, yeah, she does so, all of that, which I, I put it on my bad reheatable of just the poor. I hear all your baggage. I'm not the one flagging, flying. I'm going to check you in, get your ticket and I'll meet you at the gate. I'm just like, right, wow. Right. <sighs> right. Yeah. Ooh, mind blown. But Bill is saying to Margo, well, she is quite a gal. And Margo says, you know, I've developed a big protective feeling about her. And then Margo shows her vulnerability when she says, am I going to lose you, Bill? Because you're going out there to starlet land. And, you know, I'm old. And Margo has a thing because she is six years older than Bill. Mm-hmm. And so he, well, she's more than six years because Bill's 32 and Margo's 42. 40. In the film, Margo is 40. Oh, she's 40. So it's eight years. 
Okay. And so they're walking to the plane, which is, uh, well, see, I thought it was a private plane, but no, no, back in the day, you had to walk out on the tarmac yeah. and go up into the plane. Um, and then the voiceover, and then he calls back, Junior, keep an eye on her. And the voiceover says that same night, they sent for Eve's things, and Eve moved into a room on the top level of Marco's house. Mm-hmm. That night. Wow. Well, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, Margo Channing is probably the type that can't be alone. Yes, That exactly. artist type that can't. So Bill went off. She's just like, oh, here's this per- here's another person who adores me and yeah. is doing all this stuff, and she doesn't have a place. I get to be a saint? I get to come off yeah. as being like a great person, and this person adores me? I don't know anything about them. She hasn't had the the joys of Dateline. She doesn't know that that she She doesn't know stay sexy, don't get murdered. Exactly. Well, um, Eve becomes her assistant and Birdie doesn't really like it. Birdie has never had a good feeling about Eve and she's taken over doing what Birdie does. Yeah, this is my job. What are you doing, Eve? This is my corner. It reminded me a lot of, remember the Joan Crawford um, movie where it was, and her assistant was like her best friend. She was a Hispanic woman. Did we do it? It might have been a biopic. I don't know. Mommy Dearest? No, it wasn't Mommy Dearest. Wire hanger. Okay, so next scene, we have the final curtain call of um a walk in the what was the name of it in the woods aged so, in wood aged in wood and it's a southern film because mm-hmm. betty davis is playing a much younger girl it's kind of like ring- jezebel exactly with the hoop skirts mm-hmm. and the ringlet wig and uh during that curtain call we see our two people of color oh well ma I'll, I'll get to it at POC count. Okay, we have more than uh, mm-hmm. these two. And, of course, these two people of color are playing a slave and a mammy. Yes. Yay. And Eve is watching from the backstage, and she is mesmerized, and she has... She's crying. Well, yeah, but I didn't see the tears until Betty actually came off stage, and then she had the tears. Oh, no, I, I disagree. I think the first time we oh, see okay. her, like, her face is wet. She's been crying. And because I remembered it and I said, you've seen this play how many times? And she's still getting. But then I was like, hey, Aaron, whoa, whoa. Pot calling the kettle black there. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you had been fortunate enough to see someone you know play Eliza Hamilton. Um, But uh, Eve, uh, Margot does say to her, Again? I mean, really? Every time you see this, you have tears? So they go to the dressing room, and Birdie has some great sarcasm. Oh, Birdie. Well, um, Margot takes off her dress, and Eve says, I'll take it to... Wardrobe. um, Wardrobe. And so she lets her, and Birdie goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you ever heard of a union? Yeah. Slow your roll. There's a person here who's... whole job is to take your costume 
to wardrobe, pick it up and bring it to you. And she's not going to like it that somebody else is doing her job. So she, oh my gosh, you're right. So she opens her door and this should have been a light bulb moment. Oh, it was so creepy because she looked so creepy that her face, I'm sure that Ann Baxter was cast as the, as the role for Eve Harrington based solely on how creepy she looked when she was doing her bowing, like when she had it on in front of the mirror. Yeah, she held up the dress in front of the mirror and was pretending to be Margot doing her curtain call. And, and the weird thing is that Margot doesn't freak out at this moment. She, but this is, this is why Betty Davis is fucking Betty Davis because... You see, it's not as though Margot, is, when Betty Davis is playing this, it's not as though she lets it go and doesn't think anything of it. You see her be like, whoa, Wait a that's minute. weird. But then you also see her seeing it from the other way of like, oh, I was once an actress and and. That's what I would have done. And I remember that feeling of pretending right. and stuff like that. So right. you see the, she, the two conflicting emotions yeah. go on at the same time. Without any words. Yes. She conveys, well, that's a little odd. Oh, but, you know, yeah. she's she idolizes me. So, of course, she's going to hold my costume up to her and, and do that. Of course. Because the audience, when I see that, I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Oh, no. Okay, next scene, uh, Betty is sleeping. It's 3 a.m. And there a phone call comes. And she says yes. And they say, well, it's um, you placed a phone call to be you. I guess you could talk to an, have an operator do this. But at 12 midnight Hollywood time, call Bill Sampson. Yes. Place the call. And, and so she doesn't know anything about it. I didn't place a call to him. And he comes on and goes, oh, you, you remembered it. You remembered it was my birthday. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, remember that's right. that. Ha ha, gotcha. Yeah. And um, she, she, um, she doesn't want, oh, okay. So he says, say the words, say the words, because I guess every midnight on his birthday she has called him and said uh i thought it was i love you you were supposed to think it was i love you but it was, it was happy birthday yeah it was singing happy birthday and so she's going oh okay so um and then he goes by the way i know there's a surprise party eve already wrote to me about it um, and Betty's kind of pissed because it was supposed to be a surprise, surprise party. And why is Eve corresponding with you? And, um, and, okay. And, and she looks a little worried about it. Well, the next morning she's having breakfast in bed, which I don't see. I don't get the thrill of breakfast in bed. I mean, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Orange juice on your quilt and, you know, crumbs in your bed. I don't well, get no, the... she had the tray. What do you mean? You're laying in... You wake up, you're laying in bed, and you just put this wicker thing on you, and somebody comes and delivers you food? You don't get that? <laughs> well, I would have to pee first. 
And I do like to brush my teeth first thing. Well. Okay, so anyway, Birdie brings her breakfast in bed, and she says, Birdie, you don't like Eve, do you? Oh, and one of the all-time great Birdie lines. Say it. I think she says I, I, because oh, I have written you want an argument or an answer. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, stealing that. That's classic. Is but, oh, you're gonna use that on me. Oh, all the well, not so much on you because there's there's no argument. I just I just don't let it get to me. But like every. Do you want an argument or an answer? It's just great. Because it's when somebody asks you a question and it's like, well, how am I supposed to answer this? Right, because right. there's, if I answer it, are you willing to take it as the answer or are you just going to hear it as starting an argument? It's great. Right. Do you want an argument or do you want an answer? Or you're going to get your feelings hurt. That would be me. Do you want an answer or do you want to get your feelings hurt? Yeah, like what are you asking? And do you really want, are you prepared to really know what I think? Or are you just, are we just playing a charade? Well, um, she says to Bertie, she thinks only of me. And Bertie says, she thinks only about you. Like she's studying you. Uh, she studies everything you do, how you eat, how you talk, how you dress. At this point, Eve comes in in a suit that's had to be altered, taken in here, let, let out, out there, there. <laughs> that had been Margot's suit. Um, and um, so Margot is on, uh, Eve is on her way to go run errands and um, she says, is there anything else you want me to do? And Margot goes, uh, I can't think of a thing you haven't already thought of. So you see Margot beginning to go have an awareness. Yeah. Of like, this is getting kind of creepy. She's taking care of everything before I even think about it. Right. It's taken care of. And if, if Eve was of Japanese descent, this would be in line with their culture. I was listening to a Malcolm Gladwell podcast about it. And There's a new Malcolm Gladwell? Well, it's kind of a commercial for Lexus because oh, it's okay. called Go and See. But it's okay. it's pretty much a commercial for Lexus. But it is interesting because this that guy has just the talent of making everything interesting. But in yeah. the Japanese culture, I forget what the word is, but there's a specific Japanese word and it means as a form of hospitality of anticipating what your guests are going to want at every level. Oh, good and, thing I wasn't born Japanese. And so I, when I was watching this, I was like, oh man, Eve is, is really practicing that, but it's, it's, she's not Japanese. So, and it's very creepy. And her, the Japanese do it as a, there isn't a, it, it's a, the act unto itself. It isn't, what they're going to get from it. It's ah, like, that's the high, like how they have course. like, you know, flower arrangements, how there's a whole specific art and science to it mm -hmm. that they have. And it's just that within itself, you know? Right. Whereas Eve Harrington has an ultimate goal and it's very yes. creepy. Yes, it is. Well, Betty Davis does say, uh, I, ha I had a phone 
phone call this morning. <gasps> Eve goes, oh, I, golly, I forgot to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. Forgot. Uh, and she goes, oh, by the way, I sent him a birthday telegram myself. And Eve, uh, Margot has a look of distaste on her mouth. And Birdie shoots her a look of, I told, told you so. so. And that was, that was interesting because... I was like, hmm, Eve, why is Eve, did, what is Eve's goal in telling uh, Margo that? In case Bill mentioned it, she will have said it first. Ah, I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, now there's a voiceover, and it's Margo, and it's Bill's birthday party. It was supposed to be a surprise, but it's not. And they say there was disaster in the air. Mm. And um, uh, Bertie comes in and says, she's going, I'm surprised Bill hasn't come up. And Bertie goes, Bill's been here. But she, she leaves it dangling because obviously he's downstairs talking to Eve. Yeah. And Bill is entertaining Eve as... Margot comes down. But he's not Bill. He's just talking to her. He's just talking to her. It's it's grating for Margot because of what we've seen leading up to this. Of of what the audience knows that Eve's up to and what Margot is starting to suspect herself. But it's not like a Bill is being flirtatious in any way. Not at all. He's just I think there's maybe two feet, three feet between them, and he's just talking to her. Telling a story that Margot's heard a thousand yeah. times. Now, what was interesting was that um, Eve did make the mistake of having domestic gin. Yes. Yes, that was a mistake, Margot. That was a mistake. I mean, no, Eve. Eve. But Margot plays it off for because Birdie goes and tells Margot, like, hey, Eve ordered domestic gin for this party. And Margo really? says, well, they're, these people are heathens. They're not going to know the difference. As long as it burns, they're going to be fine. Um, but Margo's jealousy starts to rear. It, it doesn't help that Margo has already downed two martinis. Yes. Um, and so... And then there are jokes about her age. She does more jokes about her age than Bill does. She does a lot of jokes about her age, which prompted me to look up her age. And then I had to, like, really laugh when I saw that she was just 42 in this. She was just 42. And I was I playing said, a 40-year-old woman, which is totally doable, but she did look older. Well, I, two things for that. The war... Just ages yeah. people. And Betty Davis wasn't pretend smoking in this film. No. I heard I that she smoked a hundred cigarettes a day. Doesn't surprise me. I have uh, something is coming up about that. Because I looked, I immediately went in the mirror and started doing a little jig. Like, my God, I'm J-Lo in it. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. Well, Margot does tell Bill that she's fed up 
with both the young lady and her qualities. Because all she hears is something about the young lady. They keep calling her the young lady and all these fabulous qualities she has. And she says, you know, there's a part of my life I want to keep to myself. And he says, like what? And she says, for instance, you. Okay. Um, Eve, uh, and then he starts defending Eve, which is the worst thing he could possibly do. Has he never taken a cosmopolitan quiz about? Okay. Eve Harrington only cares about you and our love. Well, she orders a martini very dry. Now, at this point, Eve is smoking, drinking martinis, and she is delivering a line while smoke is coming out of her nose and her mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. And somebody comes in, I believe it's DeWitt, and says, wow, the general atmosphere here is very Macbethish. Yes. Or Macbethish. Macbethian or something. Yeah, very. It's a, I I understand it. It's a very theater. Yes, because Lloyd comes in and goes, "I like that girl," and of course they're calling her a girl. Mm-hmm. And Betty's very insecure about the fact that she has just she has recently turned forty. At which point, Betty delivers the line. Well, because there she's already. She's already drunk at this point. She is already and drunk. And her friends have been around her enough to know. like, And she's she was already throwing a bit of a temper tantrum. And I think it, Karen says, well, are you done? Yeah. And. As only your best friend can do. Uh-huh. And she goes, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. <laughs> Beanie, I am Far from done. Exactly. And um, this this line, nerd alert, is not about car seatbelts because they hadn't come in yet. This is about a, a flight, uh, an airplane seatbelt. Oh. I Yeah, and, it does make se- more sense being a, a airplane. Mm-hmm. Like, bing, the pilot has advised you, although you should always wear your safety belt because you never know when you're going to hit an air pocket and there's going to be a sudden thing and then, like, just you know, you break your neck. It's always when I'm on the toilet. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. At this point, Mr. DeWitt comes in with a very young Marilyn Monroe. Man, it's, she was so striking. Yes. Even though yes. I knew this was one of her first appearances and she's on the stage with George Sanders, who is a presence. And Betty Davis, who is Come a star, on. but there's still just something that you're, it's, it's like she's just radiating. It's, she's just glowing. And I really noticed her voice in this. And nerd alert, this was the last film where she ever used her full speaking voice. Oh, she didn't, yeah. she, it wasn't that high voice. It wasn't the breathy Mr. President. Oh, interesting. But she's really good in this because her character, you think when she shows up, oh, she's just this, you know, the bimbo, the airhead. Exactly. Which is kind of what she would play later. But she's dropped some lines and some dimes on people. Every time she comes in, she's just doing something a little where you're like, oh, she's just not that. 
because somebody tells her uh, to go over to uh, the producer. It's the producer, right? Yeah, he's Who like always a needs guy. the bicarbonate yeah. of soda. Um, and she says to whoever's supposed to go over there, oh, he won't bore you. You won't even get a chance to talk. No, she, so she, Addison wants him to go over to the producer and she says, why do they, she's like, all right, she's getting ready. She takes off her fur. She's like, why do they always look like sad rabbits? Meaning yes. the producers. And then somebody's coming over to get Addison and she makes the comment about Addison saying, Oh, he won't. Oh, that's right. She, he, you'll never get a chance to talk. Don't worry about it. We're always like, oh, damn. And it's not a sad rabbit. It's a nappy rabbit. Oh, a nappy Why do rabbit. they always look like a nappy rabbit? <sighs> okay. At this point, I wrote Betty Davis eyes because Betty Davis is supposed to be pretty sloshed at this point. Mm-hmm. And her eyes are slits, but um, wow. Okay. She is down in a martini, very dry. I mean, she she doesn't stop down in these martinis. Well, Bertie, she's sitting on the piano bench with somebody who's playing like what you play at funerals or something. It's a, it's a, a sad European piano song. It's it's practically duh, 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 duh. It's, it's not, not that. But, but it, it is that somber sort of mood. And then the guy says, I've already played it four times and she goes I guess this will be your fifth <laughs> and Bertie brings her a cup of coffee <laughs> Betty Davis looks at her takes the olive from her very dry martini puts it in the coffee cup <laughs> and downs her next martini and she says we haven't finished with the embalming yet <laughs> which I, I like that well Max who is the producer says he made a promise to Miss Caswell, Marilyn Monroe, for an audition. And for some, I'm, I'm not sure the reason that Betty Davis said, I, I'll do you a favor, Max. I'll read with her. You know, I'll, I'll go into the audition and read with her. I think because she was probably feeling. No, there is a reason. Oh. Because if you do me this favor, I have a favor to ask of you. Yeah. My favor is that she hired a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get her, get her out of here. And, um, Lloyd and Margot are chatting. There's a new play, Cora. It's a girl of 20. Well, in the, the footsteps on the ceiling, that's Cora. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. And, and Betty Davis knows she cannot play a 20 year old anymore. Uh, okay, at this point I wrote hair because she had amazing hair in this movie. She did. She did. So we can both fix our hair. I don't have quite the forehead today, do I? No, it doesn't look like a comb over. Um, And three months ago, oh, because at this point she's saying three months ago I turned 40, Lloyd. I can't be playing a 20-year-old anymore. <laughs> And, and Lloyd goes, this has nothing to do with Cora or the age of Cora. You've had another fight with Bill. And Betty Davis says, I hate men. <laughs> well, yeah, evidently- Bill is 32 and she's like, Bill's 32. He was 32. He looked 32 six years ago. He's going to look 32 six more years from now. I hate men. 
Well, they say a, a Hollywood movie star came in. Was that was that Marilyn Monroe? Because she had the no, a different movie. one. We never saw because she has we the never sable. Saw who it was. Yeah, but Marilyn had Monroe had the white fur. Right. She had a sable fur, which is, I guess, in fur. Um, I don't. Dumbness. I don't know about it is furs. The top of the line. And so Eve and Karen are up in the bedroom, and. Eve says to Karen, I want to be Margot's new understudy because Margot's understudy was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, so, um, Karen Celeste home is going, you know, it doesn't really matter because nothing's going to stop Margot from going on. Yeah. Margot's Margot's the Cal Ripken junior of right. actresses. She's never missed a performance. So, yeah, go ahead, you know, like, um, go sure, ahead. Good be, luck. Yeah, be the understudy because you'll never get on stage. Um, well, at this point, Bertie comes up to get the sable and she takes the coat downstairs and walks. There are people sitting on the steps. There's DeWitt, the, the theater critic. There's Marilyn Monroe. There's Bill. I think Bill. Yeah, Bill's there. Um, Celeste Holm. Yeah. No. Celeste is there. Yeah, she's there. And Bertie walks through with the sable, and Marilyn Monroe goes, Now there's something a girl could make sacrifices for. And somebody else goes, She probably has. <laughs> well, because she goes, but the best, the the cap on it is the, the nappy rabbit producer guy goes, Did she say sable or gable? And then Marilyn Monroe's like, Either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Bill and DeWitt are talking about the theater, and Eve is there taking it all in, a student taking it all in. It has been an hour, five pages of notes later. I quit okay, taking it. There you notes. go. You can go, you go watch it. We're about to spoil it. It is an over two-hour movie. It's a long movie, but it's a good one. It's, it's, sadly, it's very timeless. So tell me your POC count. Okay, my POC count is three. At the very beginning, when Celeste Karen is comes out and she's walking in the alley, there's a yeah. guy that walks past her. And that guy's a black guy. Oh, I didn't even notice. I paused it because I was like, is this just be the lighting? But no, I'm pretty sure it's a black guy. Wow. Okay. So our POC, this was a very... People Very of European descent film. film. Yes. We just had three glimpses of. And, yes. and we're also because, you know, you, normally in the POC count, we also say when there's crowd scenes and stuff like, right. oh, there's people. No, no nothing. 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 So three. OK. Nerd alerts. This is based on a true story. And it was turned into a musical. Oh. Okay. Your nerd alerts you have not already told us. Well, which true story was it? Was it the... Um, Something with Mary Orr? Yeah, it was... Ba yeah, the Mary Orr, the Wisdom of Eve. Because you mentioned the Tallulah Bankhead thing, mm -hmm. but Tallulah Bankhead asked Zanuck, maybe? Mm -hmm. I think Zanuck. And he said, no, it wasn't based on your story. So but it was... It was probably based on the story that Elizabeth Bergner, the Viennese actress, t 
told about this terrible woman. Yes. But then it kind of, I mean, sadly, this isn't an isolated incident. It's not like this has never happened before. Oh, yeah. Because this, how, I mean, it's, well, we'll get to it later. All right, my nerd alerts. So the Sarah Sidon Award, it's a fictitious award in the movie. It's based on the 1784 oil painting by Joshua Reynolds, where the Sarah Sidon, I guess she was an actress, she's costumed as the tragic muse. And there's a copy of that painting in Margot's apartment, which is featured prominently in the pop and the party scene. Oh, okay. And then in 1952, a group, a small group of Chicago theater people started giving out a real award based on the fictitious award from this movie. Oh, that's good. Every year. And Celeste Holmes and Betty Davis were recipients of it. In oh, the past. I like that. Um, 33 years after this film, Anne Baxter stepped in to replace Betty Davis on the TV series Hotel. I think Betty the Davis. The 1983 yeah, Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is funny. They actually got along in real life. Yes. There's an article on ScreenPrism.com by Jeff Sparito, and he points out how the co- like different things like the costume how the first time that you see eve we mentioned how she's kind of dressed like a man mm-hmm. in the the uh, trench coat and stuff and then how it evolves where she's wearing margot's old suit mm-hmm. and then by the time it gets to the party scene they're dressed the same very similar very similar yeah. and then you know it goes from there um he also points out how mirrors play a role the first time when we were in Margot's dressing room, mm-hmm. I remember how there was uh, there's deals with mirrors, how you could see Betty Davis and then you would see Eve, like either one of them was in the mirror, one of them wasn't. Um, and then, you know, there's the mirror when Eve is wearing. The, well, she holds up the, the, holds the, it the up. costume. And then yeah. the famous last scene of the film is when yes. the Phoebe character is in the mirror doing the same thing, starting the cycle all over exactly. again. Exactly. I um, like that. And Roger Ebert, in his article, he points out how we never see... He gives kudos to Mankiewicz for never showing the audience anything of Eve's performance. Because to oh. him, he because he... Like how intense Anne Baxter's eyes are and stuff as Eve, that the audience, like, what was the audience going to do with that? Like, was the audience right. going to be able to be like, oh my God, she's fantastic? Whereas this way, the audiences can just believe that she gave a fantastic performance right. and doesn't. Right. Uh, it was just very smart filmmaking on his end of of not mm-hmm. showing it, of just showing it afterward that she did the performance and then that everybody liked it. We didn't really see Betty in a, in, in an on on stage performance. We only saw her in curtain call. No, but she's Betty Davis, and we have seen her. We saw like 
her move we've seen her in Jezebel. We've seen her right, in right. So the audience is familiar with Betty Davis. Right. And delivering that kind of performance. It's just built in. So it's like, oh, we right. could see that because like we've seen Jezebel in her other films. But then with this, it isn't Am Am Baxter she wasn't an unknown, but she was just mostly doing supporting roles. Right. But it would have been it would have asked a lot of the audience and of her to give a great performance. It just makes more sense. You just go along with it of like, oh, well, yes, she just stepped in and she gave a great performance instead of having mm -hmm. to see it. It's not that's not something that we needed to see for the movie to make sense. Correct. Those were my nerd alerts. Okay, we're to reheatables. Okay. So negative was that, you know, the two black people had to be a slave and a mammy at the Kurt call. Yeah, and the one guy's just this guy walking in an alley. Yeah. Uh, the When she's talking, when she's delivering her lines and the smoke is coming out of her nose and her mouth, that was just, <laughs> it was not attractive. I can't believe they didn't recut that. No, because at the time, that's what wasn't the Surgeon General telling you to smoke up that that it was healthy. Wasn't that the the times? Well, that was actually oddly enough before my time. <laughs> but I I know. But wasn't that when everyone was smoking? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's like they weren't gonna take that out and be like, Oh my gosh, that's, yeah. and she, well, well, that's true. It was, it, but it was Betty Davis loved to smoke. Obviously. Dang. Okay. So those were my glaring negative reheatables. Mm -hmm. Yours. Well, all the smoking. Yeah. All the smoking. Oh, um, just a complete lack of airline security guys. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah, it, yeah, you're flying basically bombs. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, exactly. All the fur. Yes, I did have fur I down. I like, forgot man, to put it on over here. It's a lot of fur. That was a lot of fur. And I, and at one point, Celeste Holm, I think, says something about, you know, people in Hollywood where you don't need fur are yeah. wearing fur. What sense does that make? All the fur. And uh, Thelma Ritter Birdie comes in and says something about how the bed looks like. I what she oh, said, but she had a great line yeah. about with all the fur jackets on yeah. it. And you just, this it looks like some kind of a nest, yeah. Yeah, you know that th this was not humane. And I don't I don't even know what a sable is. So I'm going to have to look that up. I'm sure they're probably extinct because. They probably are. Just, well, they were bred just for making coats. Like, like chinchilla. At one point, Betty Davis has on a dress that has fur cuffs and fur on the pockets, fur on the pockets. I mean, <laughs> but I do lots then, of fur. There's lots of fur. Lots of diamonds. Yeah. Which but I'm to, sure lots of blood diamonds. Oh, I'm sure. But to just the other side of that is that I'm sure fur is very warm and it's the 50s. So, yeah. you know, maybe heating isn't... Before global warming. Y yeah. The when world our was planet colder. was still savable. <laughs> well, well just watching Betty Davis, just thanks. Yeah, there you go. There goes the atmosphere. There goes the atmosphere. There goes... You're killing off an entire level of species for those yeah. coats. 
Yeah. Good uh, job with the secondhand smoke as well. I'm sure that all these diamonds were mined sustainably. Thank you very mm -hmm. much for that. We're, th mm -hmm. These films from the 50s are just like us. Like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I hope you this, enjoyed it, guys. This is this is where it all went terribly wrong. Um. Oh, Betty Davis. Her. It's funny because this movie is always cited as a feminist film, which I get. But on the other side. She says that that a woman's nothing unless she has a man by her man. side. Yeah, that's like, true. Oh, that's, a, that's a tough look. Yeah. But um, that was the 50. Yeah. I mean, please, I still know people today who feel that way. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, yeah. Um Addison DeWitt slaps Eve and pretty much is like I own you now. I was like, mm -hmm. man, that's a Yeah, that that's that a was a me too moment moment right there yeah, that's tough that's true. um so those are my my bad reheatables okay my good reheatables number one is birdie oh birdie is great birdie uh the domestic gin because <laughs> nobody wants that i you know what i'm probably there are probably some great small batch domestic gins happening right now in our country now i'll bet there are you know where it's just like oh this is fantastic you know I bet gin joints are going to come back. I think there haven't. Has my brother been to gin joints? He did not take me to oh, a gin joint. Oh, maybe they're. I, I just think of gin joints as speakeasies, like underground oh, okay. bars and but stuff. But I'm thinking like how um, Kentucky has really blown up with bourbon, single barrel bourbons, and bourbons are all the rage now. So that's going to happen with gin too. Well, I was in. I was in uh, Bevmo, and I did see that there was like a California gin. I ain't trusting it. California puts too many chemicals on shit. Okay. Okay. Um, who said we who, well, first of all, the quotes. There so are many. so many quotes. We who are about to die salute you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I wrote it down. Marilyn Monroe was such a lovely surprise. Oh, you're like, yeah, this woman's going to be a great star. And in 12 years, she's going to be dead. Uh, the Betty Davis eyes, Betty Davis hair, the quotes, and the fact that Bill did not accept Eve's pass. Yes, Bill was like, excuse me, I am a gentleman. Yeah, I don't know who you think this is, but. You got it wrong. And your positive reheatables. Well, Edith Head's costumes. Yes, because that dress she wears, Margot wears at the birthday party, it didn't fit right in the shoulders. And so Betty Davis just slipped it down under her shoulders and it was perfection. Oh, really? That's like, that was real? It didn't fit and so she just slid it down? Yeah. Well, that's something I read. That doesn't mean it's true. Oh, okay. To to piggyback on Thelma Ritter specifically, and I thought you were gonna mention it. It's in the early in the film. There's the scene. There's the, when Eve's giving her monologue about what happened to her. Oh yes. And Thelma uh, Birdie was out, and then she comes back in, and everybody stops and looks at her, and she just looks at everyone, and. <laughs> And it just goes for a really long time. It she was just, a true pregnant pause. She just walks to the other side as in like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, 
it's she's in the middle and then she finishes the monologue and then birdie's just like wow that had everything but the hounds chasing after you and i didn't write that down but that was so and then everybody gets so mad at birdie They're, they're just like i can't believe you're so rude oh my gosh and she's like you like oh apologize and then birdie's like i'm not gonna like, I'm not going to apologize to you. Oh, so then she goes over to Eve and she apologizes to Eve. But Birdie was right. Birdie saw through her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. That, yeah. <laughs> that was But that it, was it's great. That's It's my favorite scene in the movie when she just walks in and everybody just stops and looks at her. And she just yeah. looks and she's just like, <laughs> oh, just walks me. across the room and doesn't say anything. Um, I, You know, it's, it's not... I don't mean it as good, but it is something that has aged well. Is that even Addison are sociopaths? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I yes. was I'm like, oh yeah, those Perfect two are sociopaths. Dramatic. Yes. Yeah. They feel nothing, and they okay. Um, Lloyd Richards. Again, this isn't. It isn't good, but it's something that it stands the test of time. The famous playwright who's great. He can. Like, I love it when uh, Betty Davis's character, Margot, tells him to write something with guts. We mentioned it before. She's saying, write something with guts. And she's meaning, like, stop writing about, like, 20-something-year-olds. Like, all your plays are about 20-year-old women. You keep writing Gossip Girl over and yeah, over again. Yeah, over and over again. Write something for women who are older. And I think that there's probably a lot of actresses out there who feel the same way. Gun Close, Sharon Stone. Yeah, the, oh my gosh, Susan Sarandon. Like, you could go on and on. We have so yeah. many great actresses who, I doubt the reason we're not seeing them is because they're busy. Yeah. I no. mean, no, I not. I don't mean that they're, I mean the reason that we're not seeing them is that there, isn't, there aren't these great parts. Nobody's right. writing them. Right. Um, the Cycle, like, again, this isn't good. It's just, it is what it is. The cycle of how females are always pitted against each other yeah. and that whole like the young one and look always like looking down and like they're coming to take your block because you only have like a block and it's how yeah. you're just automatically pitted against each other and stuff. And it's just dog eat dog and you're just like, ah, 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 ah. and yeah. all of that and how it's just always been. And even this movie, it's it's good, but then it also just what it perpetuates of those stereotypes, like of always needing, like you're not a woman if you don't have a man, and mm-hmm. once you turn forty, it's over, and the just the cycle of like having to always be suspicious of another woman and stuff. Did you feel like at the end, um, Eve kind of like just? said, yeah, come on, you know, be my assistant because I, I already know where this is going? No, I didn't take it as that way. I took, I was more like, wow, you're like, you really don't get where this is going. Yeah, are you serious? Yeah. Which, that you don't see this? I don't, yeah, I, I don't know because maybe... Maybe at that point she was, I don't know. It's hard because I really do believe that Eve's a sociopath. So mm-hmm. who knows what sociopaths are thinking. Yeah. 
Yeah, Phoebe might not have made it to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like it sets it up on the cycle, but I don't think that Eve is where Eve Eve ends up pretty much where she started. It's not like Eve has taken Margot's place because Margot was surrounded by like by friends and yeah, family she was. She stuff. she didn't lose her her friendship. Group. Yeah, and and she even though they Margot would get on their nerves and would try their patience, she still had that you know that core group of people. And Eve is right. just alone, and then she's owned by Addison, the film critic. Right. So. They said like, oh, the, the the cycle continues and stuff. But I just wondered if it did because of the monkey wrench of Eve being a sociopath. Yeah. Which, okay. you know, Margot could be could accused of being a narcissist and a bunch of other things, but I don't think she's a sociopath. Um, right, right. I already said how all the best lines, for the most part, are given to women and yeah Marilyn Monroe showing up there was like Betty Davis yelled at Marilyn Monroe they were very frustrated she was very frustrated by her um she was so nervous yeah yeah what that would be can you imagine being you're Mm -hmm. young and here's Betty Davis who is by all accounts abroad I forget there was some director who when Betty Davis, it was announced that Betty Davis was going to be in this, he sent Mankowitz a thing. It was like, good luck. That woman's yeah. going to grind you into fine powder. And it's, you know, going to be... Because there was that line that she gives that's also great when she's yelling at Lloyd, the playwright, about his words and stuff. And he's saying, like, I'm a playwright and you're actors and you just think that you're everything and stuff. And then she yells back at him and she's like, well... Yeah, I wouldn't have to do all of that except I'm rewriting your dialogue because I'm watching the audience and I'm losing them and they're falling asleep. I got to bring them back. And I think that she had a reputation of doing that, but she was the utmost professional because she read the script and she's like, whoa, not, he pretty much nailed it. There's uh, yeah. not <laughs> nothing really... I got to do to fix this. Yeah. So Makos was like, she was completely professional, but that would be so intimidating to be young yes. and like, oh my God. Davis. Yeah. Okay. MVPs. So my honorable mention mm-hmm. goes to Miss Marilyn Monroe. That's a good honorable mention. With her regular voice. Yes. I wish she had kind of used it more. Yeah, I really do too. Um, my MVP are the quotes. There are so many great quotes. Mm, yes. Of course, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy, bumpy night. night. Um, yeah, the quotes. There are so many. Mine's Your MVP? Betty Davis. Yeah, I mean, it's just... yeah. But when it was, when we had the, the show about Betty Davis and, um, Joan Crawford. Oh, feud on FX. Yeah, what a perfect Betty Davis Susan Sarandon was. I know, because she just, I always thought she had Betty Davis energy. Yeah, yeah. I was just watching an ER rerun. Oh. It might have been the very first ER. 
and it was uh, Susan Sarandon was in it. Okay. Okay. This isn't Susan Sarandon night, but she was really good. Okay. Recasting. I have one cast. I have three, but it's just like the, the main two parts. Okay. So I have Eve, Margot, Bill, Birdie, and Claudia. Okay. So I'm going to start with Claudia Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. So my Claudia has to be somebody young um, who can be sexy. And I did Logan Browning from Dear White People. I haven't seen Dear White People. Okay. But great choice. My birdie, Niecy Nash. She would be a good birdie. Got to be able to deliver that sarcasm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Bill was my hardest one, and and I because it had to be somebody who could do all that emotion. Because Bill and Margot get into some heavy arguments, and Bill, oh, the guy that plays Bill, he's he's on that corner with the the Ann Baxter style of acting. Which yeah, I, when I watched the film, I did laugh and ch- not that Ann Baxter's bad in this. I don't think she is. I think it works for the part. Um, but I did laugh when I saw that thing about Catherine Hepburn being like, nah, <laughs> what is this? And Bill is very much on that corner of when you think of 1950s movies and how they're delivering yeah, all their yeah. lines. Well, I, the, I came up with Blair Underwood. Uh, yeah. The, it, it, it's not my best choice, but, but it, it was the best choice of what I had. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my Eve, Ruth Nega. Oh, yeah. I was kind of happy with that. that. Very understated. She and she kind of has Betty Davis eyes. Well, she's not Betty though. She's Eve. Oh. Oh, interesting. Because my Margot is Angela Bass. Oh, that would be. But you know what's fan? What's great about that is that, and I think it's that way in probably all of the cast. How, um, the people that were casting as Margot, who's supposed to be older, who's forty two, were not casting. Oh, yeah. it's they're always like they're like oh they're sixty, right. <laughs> Right, because Angela Bassett still isn't going to look old enough to. <laughs> yeah, because when problem as with soon her as age. I started watching this, I was like, "Oh man, oh Meryl Streep, right? She's Margot." But then right. I was like, "Oh," and then I was I laughed. I was like, "It's forty two, and let's say I'm like, you know what though? I would still watch it, but that's just how age is different now." Then I thought you could have had ageism as well as skin tone with a black cast. Oh, yeah. Margo be a darker skin and Eve be lighter skin, and that would be add another dimension to The colorism? Yeah. That's true. Well, that's my... I really like Niecy Nash's birdie. Oh, man. Niecy Nash with Angela Bassett? I'm in. Is that it? That's mine. I only did one. All right. Well, I did a couple, so... I just, I was just like, oh man, uh, this would be great is if you did Eve is Beyonce 
and Margot is Diana Ross. Ooh. I was like, ooh. And ooh. then I was, in my original recasting, I was going to go Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. But then I replaced Meryl Streep. And I was going to go Sandra Bullock. Uh-huh. But then I replaced Sandra Bullock. And I was like, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. Attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, looks better than ever. Yeah, so who is going to be your Eve? My Eve, the first time that I saw Ann Baxter, I was like, my Eve is Florence Pugh. Yeah, and she's in Little Women. She's in The Little Drummer Girl. She's in Midsommar. You saw Little Drummer Girl. You liked her. Because you were like, oh, she's not all skin and bones. Okay. So, yes. Nailed it. Then I was like, you know what? Why Why don't we flip this on its head and we gender switch it? I was going to gender switch it. And then I was like, and let's make this like real deep, real meta. Ooh. Denzel Washington. Yeah. And Eve is his son, John David Washington. Oh, that would be, oh, so many levels. On so many levels. So many levels. There there would probably be a fist fight, though, because they're dudes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of ego. Yeah, it would. It might turn into just he got game. <laughs> you, you might just be able to pop in he got game and be like, "That's all about Eve." <laughs> that's Spike Lee's version of all about Eve. <laughs> well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. Okay, we're to tasty nuggets. All right. Um, this was the only film that ever had four female Oscar nominations. Yes. You had Thelma Ritter and Celeste Holmes as Best Supporting Actress and Betty Davis and Ann Baxter in Best Actress. Now, Ann Baxter, they originally said would be Supporting Actress. She really pressed for... She was like, no, no, no. I don't think so. The movie isn't called All About Margot, now is it? So you think she should have been Best Actress and Betty Davis Supporting Actress? No, I don't have a problem with how it turned out. So they feel like neither of them won because they would have split the ballot and then Jennifer, Judy Holiday, somebody Holiday? Yeah, one. One. Um, yeah, but also in 1950, this was the same year as Sunset Boulevard. So they feel that Gloria Swanson, a lot, convent, people are like, oh, they split that Anne and Betty split the vote. But there's also a lot of people who say, uh, Gloria Swanson and Betty Davis split the vote. Talk about overacting. I mean, because she was supposed to overact, but yeah, that was. Yeah. So. Okay. And because we never, the Academy never, um, uh, ex- excuse me, that society, that film society never releases their vote count, we'll never know. Never uh, release the okay. Votes. The working title for the film was Best Performance. 
Yes, but I believe Daryl F. Zanuck cut 50 pages of the script and said the movie's Thank called you. All About Eve. Thank you. Can you imagine 50 more pages? Jeez. Uh, Betty Davis and Gary Merrill, uh, I heard the first time they laid eyes on each other, it was... Well, his divorce became final the same day that he married Betty Davis in July 1950. And she had been in a relationship with somebody before this and divorced. And they married uh, after the film was released? No, completed filming. Because they got uh, married in July film. and it came out in October. And then they adopted a baby mm-hmm. girl and named her Margot. Yep. Okay. There was a country western version. Oh, also they bitterly divorced in 1960. Oh, it was a bitter divorce. According I'll to Wikipedia, were... it was bitter. Uh, I would think anything negative with Betty would, would have been bitter. I would think any divorce with Betty Davis would have been bitter. A country western version that called Country Gold with Lonnie Anderson oh my and Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton? The Terminator? You, ha- you haven't heard about it because it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I heard that the first day Celeste Holm came on set, she said to Betty Davis... Oh, wait, I gotta find it. Um... She said, like, um, good morning to everyone. And Betty Davis said, oh, shit, someone with manners. <laughs> and they hated each other the rest of this filming. Not this film, to their deaths. <laughs> because Betty said that it was, oh, shoot, I have it right here. I would think that Betty Davis was the kind of person where if she liked you, then it was it was like, okay. But if she didn't like you, that it would just, she would just be, oh man, very, very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it would just make she, your life difficult. She said filming this was a very happy experience, uh, except for the bitch Celeste Holmes. <laughs> Everything that I've heard of, it, she seems like she was very lovely. Yeah. She, I, so anyway. So. This was condemned by the National Fire Protection Agency because <laughs> she was always smoking in bed. Oh, yeah. That killed uh, a lot of people. As we said earlier, Marilyn Monroe really did barf. Because in the in the movie she barfs, mm-hmm. but she really did from nerves working with all of these. So I people. wonder if that was the first scene, and then the second scene when she shows up to the party, if that was shot later. That would be interesting. Because she seemed w- just more relaxed. I mean, she didn't seem nervous in that scene. Yeah, she didn't. I mean, once your stomach is empty, it's all you got. Yeah. Um. Evidently, uh, Betty and Gary were divorced 10 years to the day after they got married and that they said they 
as in the movie, she says she didn't want Bill to marry the character Margot, but that they did marry their characters. Ah. And that's why it didn't work. Took 10 years to figure that out. Oh, 10 bumpy, bumpy years. Oh, my God. Fasten your seatbelt. I mean, just based on that guy's acting? Shasha Gabor was in this. She was in it or she was she, considered? She No, she was in the steps. She was sitting on the steps with um, Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Yeah, and there was something about that. Okay, people considered for Margot. We had Ingrid Bergman. Marlena Dietrich, but she was too German. German. Kate Hepburn, Vivian Lee, Ginger Rogers, Ginger Rogers, Gloria Swanson, who did Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard, and Joan Crawford. Well, I have Susan Hayward, but she was too young. Barbara yes. Stanwyck was not available. Claudette Colbert. Had yeah. the role, right? But she got injured. They considered Ingrid Bergman, and then it was offered to Betty Davis, and she had just gotten out of her contract with Warner Brothers, and she read it and immediately accepted it because she was like, "This is the best part in ages." Definitely. And now, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I have Jean Crane. For Eve. For she Eve. was considered for Eve. From from Pinky. From she was Pinky. Pinky. But she became pregnant. And that would have been an interesting Eve because Jean Crane did not have that weird, breathy weirdness to her. And I think you would be Well, Daryl F. Zanuck said that she didn't have the bitch uh what was the second word he used? I don't know, but it was the, well, it should have been psychopath, the bitchy psychopath. Yeah, the sociopath, that she didn't have that, like, bitchy kind of energy. Um, So that would have been very interesting. It would have been a it, whole different film. It could have doomed it because you might have ended up rooting for her. And not seeing her as conniving. Mm. But I don't, because remember when we did Pinky, we had a whole long discussion about her performance, yeah. how we were going back and forth on it. Yeah. Um, and how and we they decided, did too, the people who made it did. Yeah, we, de we decided it ultimately did work, but th bringing that kind of energy, because at this time she was a big star. Okay, uh, other people considered for Eve that, that we've done before. There were many, mm -hmm. but that we have done before. Donna Reed. I don't think Donna Liz Reed Ta could be the sociopath. Liz Taylor no, would have been Liz Taylor would have been amazing. Because you would have, you know, the, the only bad part about Liz Taylor is that when Bill comes in, he would have noticed he her. <laughs> he would have had to notice those violet Excuse eyes. Excuse me? Who is and this? Olivia de Havilland, which... Oh! Did yeah. it? They were friends, because Catherine Zeta-Jones was Olivia de Havilland in Feud. Remember? Yes. 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 So those were my... There were more tasty nuggets, but those were my most tasty of the nuggets. Okay. Um, On Betty Davis's tombstone, it says, 
she did it the hard way. And that was suggested by Joseph L. Mankiewicz after the filming of this film, All About oh, Eve. Oh, wow. It was like, hey, you know what? When you kick the bucket, because it's probably going to be real soon, because uh, you're still smoking 100 cigarettes a day, might want to consider she did it the hard way on your tombstone. Just putting it out there, Betty. We who are about to die <laughs> salute you. Um... Eve Baxter, or Eve Baxter, Anne Baxter modeled her role, her character Eve on, as she says, a bitch understudy who was, when Anne was going to make her debut in Broadway, the Broadway play Seen But Not Heard at the age of 13, she had this bitchy understudy who threatened to, quote, finish her off. Oh, when wow. She, when she was oh, 13. Wow. So oh my god like, i know who i'm gonna play wow um let's see this film was nominated for 14 academy awards and like you said it was the only film to ever have four female acting nominations it won six so it won for best picture best supporting actor george sanders the guy who played addison best black and white costume edith head Best yeah. Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Sound Recording. So Ritter didn't win. No. She, Ritter. She has, if you go um, in, on Wikipedia or IMDb, she has, I think, six films where she's nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and she never won an award. And for a while, she was one of the, the top, actresses who had the most nominations but Susan never won Lucci. yeah but now she didn't even win for rosemary's baby who she wasn't in rosemary's baby? no ma i thought she was the no that's all uh, that was the woman from harold and maude oh i'm sorry very similar yeah 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 thank you oh yeah this was one of the first 50 films selected for preservation by the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2019, there was a stage version of this where Gillian Anderson was Margot and Lily James was oh, Eve. Interesting. I read some reviews about it. It didn't, they, people, the people that I read, they didn't like it because they changed. There was an interest. It's uh, all about Eve is a perfect feminist film. How did the play get it so wrong by uh. Jenny Stevens? And her thing is that in the play, they made Margot really um, more of a destructive alcoholic. Oh, and she had a destructive streak. She did have a destructive, but she had all of her stuff together. I mean, yeah. she like when she partied, she would she would drink, but they just made her the characters. It was as if they they took out the nuanced female characters of the fifties film and replaced uh, it. And it's just well, like, so, what are you doing? Why did you Why did you do this to this? And how could anybody? Why would you recast Margot as anybody? Uh, uh, how would you? I mean, I could see. I wasn't mad at the casting. I'm like, oh, Gillian Anderson. I yeah, I could see that. I'm telling hmm. you, when I guarantee, 
man, I'm I'm betting high on Jillian Anderson's stock, but I'm pretty sure that she's going to floor everybody with her turn as Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. I'm Oh, just, okay. Just you watch. If people Okay. I think you've been sleeping on her. I, she's a fantastic actress. Oh, I agree, but Betty Davis but we just did a whole recasting where we were putting Yeah, we did. Into... Angela Bassett could do it. So move on. Yeah, there's a like you're not going to tell me that you want to watch Meryl Streep as I would. Margot Channing. I would watch Susan Sarandon. Oh, Susan Sarandon. Hell yeah. There's so many actresses who it's I mean Betty Davis is iconic. You're not going to say that this person is better than Betty Davis, but to put this role in somebody else's hands just yeah. as is. That's true. Okay. So is that it? Is I that think, my week of All About I Eve? Thank it. you. I think there, it was a I great was reading, choice. there were other articles where it mentioned how there are gay characters, like the character of Addison. And I did think like when he, when he was telling like, oh, uh, at the end, when he's telling uh, Eve, like you're mine. I was like, oh, thought you were gay my guy well but he could mean uh, i have you yeah. in my pocket like i, I own I, you i don't want to do anything with you but yeah and then mom. there are people that said that eve was gay and i was like i maybe but well, I she think was so fixated a, yeah it read but, more to me as being a sociopath yeah but it did mention like there are different people different articles where it was kind of pointing out that that this was during the Hayes Code, and so um, they kind of couldn't say anything. And actually, well, she, that was kind of a problem, was how the two sort of villains, Addison and Eve, the, like, as I mentioned, the sociopaths, that there yeah, was, like, by course. some saying, like, oh, they're the homosexual characters, and how right. that's kind of like, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, she I was know. totally fixated on Margot, but okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I I don't know. I just took it to not that it matters. No, it didn't matter to me. I just thought that 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 was what, when you're reading something, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Mm. I mean, the yeah. thing, Addison, he, I was like, mm, I could is... totally see that. Yes. And I could see Eve being, Eve could be gay, uh, a sociopath who would do whatever she had to do, which would be sleeping with men, which would not be her preference. Well, also, like, at that time, from what I've just heard about um, different tales of Hollywood, like, everyone was sleeping with everyone. Right, right, right. So, really, they were probably all fluid. Yeah, so I'm like, whatever. Exactly. Okay, Aaron, what are we doing next week? All right, well, we're staying in the 50s. Staying in the 50s. 1953, to be exact. Ooh, I was one. We're going to, do you remember who um, became famous on this podcast for peep toe pumps? Yes. Blonde. Lana Turner. Lana Turner. And. Kirk Douglas, who recently passed away. Yeah. And directed by Vincetti Minnelli. 
Okay. This film I wanted to do because I would hear about it different places, the cinematography and its name always pops up weird places. Finally going to watch it. 1953's The Bad and the Beautiful. Oh, excellent. It that is fascinating. And I think it's but, another story about Hollywood, which come on. But we love I was just I I love the title, The Bad and the Beautiful. Well, I am re-upped on my iTunes account, so it should be good to know. Good to know. Now, I won't be here next Saturday, so we're going to have to wait a week for it. That's why I always put next time, so the podcast is dark next week. Dark next week, and it gives you time to catch up on some things you might not have seen. Our all-time best watched one is still Uptown Saturday Night. (laughs) Really? Really? We're so going to have to do more Sidney Poitier-directed films. I think we're going to have to do the are. sequel. What was the sequel to Uptown Saturday Night? Like, they, they I, did it twice, or they, they did it harder, or something like that? I I don't know. Both of those sound problematic. Oh, but... you think that the sequel to Uptown Saturday Night isn't going to be problematic? <laughs> With my main man, everyone should have known Bill Cosby's rape beard. <laughs> Okay, I I am so woke. I almost said something really problematic, and I checked myself. Oh, You're welcome. Man. Okay, well, thank you for listening. This is a long one, I, but the movie was a long one, too. And, and it's, it's well all about worth- Eve. You know, if you don't want to watch all about Eve, we, we basically told you so you, you don't have to be left out when you're at a fancy little soiree or party. But know that we didn't do all the great quotes. There are still there's great quotes great in quotes. there. And there's only three people of color in it. No Hispanics, no Asians. No, yeah, exactly. But it was it was um, time well spent, I believe. Oh, yes. Well, there you go. There you go. <gasps> Bye. Bye. Bye.